Welcome to Daniel Alonzo's Wealth on the Beach podcast. Are you ready to learn how you can become totally financially independent? After 20 years as an entrepreneur, investor, and business coach, Daniel is inspired to help you reach financial independence by creating massive passive residual income. Gain priceless insights from a man who became a millionaire at the age of 24 and has shared his knowledge in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Are you ready to change your life? Let's get started. Here is Daniel Alonzo. So welcome to the Wealth on the Beach podcast. My name is Daniel Alonzo, and I am your host, bringing you some of the greatest minds in uh, all, really all over the world now, uh, just having a great time talking about how we create more massive passive income so that ultimately we can get the things that we want to get and uh, live the life that we want to live uh, with freedom, choices, and options. And today, it's another episode. Uh, this, this stud that we got on today, his name is Jeff Bishop. He's a co-founder and head options trader uh, at RagingBull.com where ordinary investors learn proven trading techniques from real money traders uh, in an all-in-hands-on uh, all format. Raging Bull is a multi-million dollar company that employs 80-plus people remotely across the U.S., uh, experienced a 365% growth over the last three years. Um, recently, in 2019, uh, 5, 000, Inc. 5000 guide ranked just two places by growth behind Uber. Raging Bull is now the largest, fastest growing company in New Hampshire. This dude's a stud. He's got his master's degree in economics. Um, we're going to talk about his whole story today, but um, he's also a member of the High IQ Society. So this dude's a pretty smart dude. He has a natural ability to teach complex topics to others in a simple, practical way. Um, he uh, lives in New England with his lovely wife of 21 years, and he has three kids. Um, hey, Jeff, man, that's a lot of, that's a mouthful right there. Man, that was a great uh, introduction. <laughs> you did some homework. Tell me, <laughs> tell, tell me, uh, uh, tell why Raging Bull? Why the name? Yeah. You know, it started about a decade ago in my previous company. Um, I bought... I was trying to buy the site quote.com. We had plans to make uh, another website out of it. And so we, we bought it from this company called Interactive Data. They were getting rid of it and they were packaging quote.com along with Raging Bull and one other site with it. So I kind of got these other two sites thrown in. Well, the quote thing was a disaster. I lost tons of money on it, tons of energy. It was a, it was a nightmare. But so we got out of it. Uh, we sold the domain off and took our loss. I said, you know what, I'm going to keep the Raging Bull name. I've always liked it. It's, a, it's got a really good history on the internet as far as uh, trading community. So it was one of the very first trading communities uh, on the internet. So back in the early 2000s, it had, you know, millions of members, really. It was huge. It got, died off over the years. And uh, I said, you know what, I'm going to use it one day for something else. So I kept the name on the shelf. And then as I um, had my other newsletter businesses roll into one company last few years, I, I rolled them into Raging Bull about three years ago, and now that's the uh, umbrella of all the assets we have for that. So that's kind of our, our brand name now, and I think it's cool. 
<laughs> well, I, I think it's really cool, man. I mean, that's a, that's a cool name. I, I just want to um, just uh, let everybody know that uh, just first of all, because um, I am in the investment business and um, I'm not giving any sort of investment advice, nor are we trying to sell you any particular investment today. So uh, I want to throw that out there. Um, let, let's talk, Jeff, about um, where, were you, where were you born and what was your childhood like, man? I was born not too far from where you are, man. I'm in, I was born in Southern California. <laughs> I was born right in LA. <laughs> I was born in LA, lived out in Southern California, all over the place. We moved all the time, but I lived out there until I was about 13. And then my family moved to Texas and I spent about 20 or so years out in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And um, I've been in, like you said, I live in New England now. I've been here just over 10 years and, uh, been great and, and so why did your parents move from southern california to texas um my my dad bounced around jobs a lot he was in a it was in a business with um like defense contracting where you know jobs would be for a year or two and then we'd have to get a new job and move so he wasn't in the military but we sure moved like we were i think they were just looking for some more stability and so they moved got another job in texas Sure enough, I think he got laid off about a year after being in Texas, <laughs> and then he just ended up moving into a whole other industry, and then, um, you know, things were much more stable after that, but we moved around a lot, and I, I bounced around all kinds of different schools. In fact, I never went to the same school twice, looking back on things. <laughs> every year so I had a new school. Saying, so every year you were at a new school. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Even like if I may have lived in the same city, but like moving between junior high and high school or something like that, I I may have just had different schools, even though I didn't move. But otherwise, went to a different school every year. <laughs> so was that tough? Or, I mean, is, is there a lesson to that? I mean, did you learn from that at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I learned a lot. I'm not sure. It, it definitely shaped me more ways than I probably realized. Uh, it's helped me um, adapt to situations quicker. I feel like I, I'm able to um, make friendships pretty quick, um, pretty relatable to people. Uh, it, so it helped in some ways. It's got its downsides too. Um, for my kids, I've flipped the total opposite. So my kids have all grown up in the same house, the same school district, the same friends their whole life. And I kind of wonder if that's the best thing for them or not. I guess we'll find out. But <laughs> for me, I think it made me tougher, helped me in lots of situations. I think it's helped in business. Um, for my kids, I, I hope that it works out well for them too. I always think if I had to choose between one or the other, I would have chosen to have the same house and same friends my whole life. So I uh, hope it works out for them. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, uh, I, I agree with you. I think it makes you tougher. I think you adapt better. Um, you know, I think it's, it's hard sometimes. I sure didn't like it at the time though. I'll say that. You didn't like it at the time. Oh, no question about it. You know, my, I'm going through that with my daughter right now. She might be going to a school she doesn't want to go to and lose a couple of friends and, but it's, it's tough. It's not easy. And, uh, but I do believe that what you said a little bit earlier is absolutely right. I mean, I think that you're able to adapt better. You probably are, are able to make friends a little bit easier sometimes just because you, went through that for so long. I mean, your, your, your situation is a little, uh, you know, a uh, little bit more uh, than most people as far as moving schools, but did you grow up like where your parents, did they have a lot of money? Did you come from money? I mean, what was that like financially? No, they, they were very paycheck to paycheck. So uh, we, there were never any savings. They lived on lots of debt. 
you know, we always had a place, well, for the most part, we had a place to live. There was a, a spell where I actually lived in a hotel room for about a year with the four of us, my brother, my, my two parents. So we had some tough times over the years, but, um, you know, we always made ends meet, very lower middle-class family. And I was, I don't know what I was going to do, but I was determined not to live like them as far as financially and the choices that I made there. So I didn't know what I was going to do in life, but I knew I was not going to live in debt. That's for one thing. Like I always made it a point of mine that I'm not going to take on debt. I don't care how poor I am. We're going to pay for stuff in cash and we're going to live our lives with freedom. So that's been a big hallmark of becoming successful over the years. I think I was able to take shots and things that you wouldn't be able to if you had a lot of debt or other obligations there. So I'm, I'm thankful that I made that choice early on. Did you always know you were smarter than everybody else? Uh, it's funny. In, in some ways, like, so I'm definitely not smarter as far as let's talk about math or let's talk about certain subjects. But I, I, I did realize later in life, it's probably my twenties that I'm pretty good about putting things together. Like as far as like a business, you've got to take a lot of unrelated things and put them together. You have to uh, re realize who people are and um, play on their strengths and put them into the right situations. And there's all these things that I think I'm really gifted to be an entrepreneur. I just didn't really know that growing up. So in high school, definitely did not. I was just a slacker <laughs> and you know, I was not a great student. I was okay. Um, you know, in college, I just kind of got by. It wasn't in, until I had some success in business that I re realized that was what my gifting was. So that was why I should pursue. I was a terrible employee. I got fired from, I've had 15 jobs. I've, I've been fired from probably eight of them, but <laughs> so I, I knew I was a terrible employee. I knew that much. <laughs> so did you all, I mean, do you think that you were a slacker because you were just so, so gifted with, I mean, cause I, I bet you, and again, I, I, I relate this back to, I had an uncle and he was a superstar baseball player, but, and he probably could have been in the pros, honestly, but he just, he had so much talent that he just didn't practice and, he just kind of took for granted things kind of came easy to him. I mean, do you kind of feel that way or am I off? Uh, I do in hindsight. Like I've, if I've really applied myself, I could have been an exceptional student. I feel like I could have gotten scholarships and, and done something else different in life. Um, my parents were fine just by having me get by. They didn't go to college. So it wasn't like a big deal if I did. And, you know, grades weren't, there was not an importance put on that. So it was important. I graduated high school and whatever happens, happens after that. So th there was no, um, no, no, there was no reason for me to, I, I didn't really know that I should apply myself that way. In hindsight, it's better. I, I would have been really miserable if I had made the grades and gotten the job that everybody thought I should get. Cause I probably would have got fired or been miserable at it. <laughs> so probably good didn't work yeah, out you, that way. I, I really relate a little bit to your story just cause I mean, my, actually I, I'm relating through my son. My son is, I think that he's got an exceptional IQ and uh, we'll maybe get him tested one of these days. But I, I just, I mean, I just always didn't, I never felt like the smartest one in the room, me personally. And my son is definitely one of the smartest people, but, but I don't think he applies himself necessarily. And we're, and, and I'm one of those parents as well that like, I don't worry about grades so much. Um, I never graduated college. Uh, I was pretty much bad at most subjects you know through high school and all those types of situations and and so uh you know there's no question about it i i 
kind of relate what you're saying. So anyway, so you made it through. So what there's one thing like didn't graduate college. Think about, I don't know if it has the same connotation now, but I'm in my mid forties. Right. Pretty young. I think it's a lot different. Like that connotation to me and my generation is like terrible. Like, Oh, you didn't graduate college. Like this is like a lower class almost. But in today's day and age, it really is not a deal breaker for anyone. I think of all the people we hire, I've never asked if they have got a college education. I, I find out if they're good at something and I hire them for that skill. And when it comes to my own kids, even like, I don't even really care if they go to college now, like they could, they, they can afford to go to whatever college they want. If they can get into it, they can afford it. But I don't really care what they do. I want them to be successful. I want them to find something they're good at and produce. But the college education just doesn't really have the same appeal like it used to. Totally agree. Yep. I think me and you are going to be real good friends, man. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, so what was it like when you decided like, hey, look, I mean, okay, so how old were you when you kind of turned that being a slacker and to start, like what shifted you? Was it a mentor? Was it an opportunity? What was it that shifted your mindset to really go to work and start to build something? Well, you know, having a family sure puts a light, lights a fire into you. <laughs> I had, okay. I realized early on, I was not going to be a good employee. Like I said, so I had several, I tried a few little businesses that were moderately successful, but nothing I really wanted to continue to do forever. I had, um, I had a lawn business in Dallas, so it was low capital startup. And as long as you worked hard and showed up, you you could cut grass and you know take care of people's yards. So that was something I did for a few years. Um, I had a bagel shop for a while that I was buying into, and that just wasn't a good fit for me. I had some other jobs along the way that just really didn't click, and I I kind of gave up on the idea of having a small business, honestly, until. Let me think what happened. So my wife was, we were both in college and she was finishing up her, or she's about to get her PhD. And we had just had our oldest one, our now oldest son at the time. So he was just born. And, you know, for her to get her PhD, we really need some extra help with, with my son. So I said, you know what? I'll stay home. I'll take care of our son and you get the PhD and get a great job and take care of us forever. And we'll be happy. <laughs> I was kind of done working, having a small business. And, and so I was kind of ready to do something else. Well, it turned out that didn't last long. She was pretty playing. much going to be your, she was going to, she was going to be your sugar mama for sure. Yeah. That, that sounds nice. Doesn't banking it? Banking on over there. Okay. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> so it sounded good to me. It didn't really work out that way. Um, uh, online poker was just coming out. So I, pl- I was like a full-time online poker player slash stay at home dad for the first six, eight months of my son's life. <laughs> I realized that wasn't going to be a long-term solution for us. So, um, I got a, um, I, I was probably one of the first work from home people doing an internet job. And I, I kind of stumbled in the finance business at the time I was, I had my undergraduate degree in finance and I was getting a master's degree in economics. So it was kind of on that path. It was interesting to me. I got a job writing about, um, stock options for some website. So that kind of first got me started. And then that just evolved into uh, different opportunities. And, you know, I was able just to make relationships that led to other things. And before you know it, I'm starting a business that grew into what Raging Bull is today. And so, so the question I have for you is in those early days, um, you know, how important is it for people out there that are listening 
that they build more relationships with different people. I mean, how, like, maybe, maybe walk me through a couple of those relationships that turned into what has transpired today for you. Yeah. You know, one of the first ones was when I was doing the, the landscaping, one of my clients there in Dallas, he was, um, he was, he was, a in his fifties, I think, and he was already retired and I was cutting his grass and he had time to talk to me in the afternoons and, you know, indirectly kind of mentored me on that there, there's a better way to do things. Like you probably shouldn't be pushing a lawnmower the rest of your life. You're too smart to be doing this and you should build something else. And that really encouraged me that he saw that in me and, um, got me thinking that, Oh, maybe I could do something else. Maybe this isn't the end goal for me. And then in, in the business side of things, um, you know, it was just some early successes with, um, writing reports. I was, uh, helping with research reports on these small companies. And it turns out that I, I was in a business where people were very unsophisticated and I, I came in and tried to do a really good job and I was you know, punctual and I did, I did as best as I could and I was pretty intelligent at it and it stood out and I kind of got recognition for that. I never thought that I, on Wall Street, I wouldn't have been a great analyst or I wouldn't have been a great fund manager, but in the smaller end of the market on a, a, different, a different way that you could attack it, I would, it was a good niche for me to get into that I could actually apply myself and I found success there. And it, it led to relationships where uh, people started to ask for my opinion on how to put deals together and how to do things. And, you know, in my mid twenties, I'm like, well, so I, people actually, people I look up to are now asking me questions about how to do things. And that's, that's when I kind of realized that, okay, maybe I've got something here to offer. Maybe, um, maybe I am pretty smart at this. Maybe I do know what's going on. Did you have any difficult times in the early days of, of building your business? I mean, what was an example of maybe something that you failed at that you thought was going to work and it didn't work? Yeah. Well, that how we came about Raging Bull is a great example. <laughs> we took a big shot on that one and uh, it didn't go well. I think we bought those websites for over a million dollars and then put quite a bit of money into it. And then I don't know, I probably lost you know, half a million dollars or so in that, in that deal. And that was quite a bit of money at the time, <laughs> but I was always, I'm always the kind of guy I'm, like that poker mentality is still a part of everything I do. So I'm always going to take the shots where I think the odds work out and I'm going to move my chips in and I'm going to take the big bets. when I think it's going to work out for me, not go all in. So even that million dollar bet wasn't going to put us out of business, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take the big bets. I think when I can, I love that mentality because I'm always talking to my team. I mean, I don't know how much you know about my story, but I have a organization of about 1500 agents and, you know, we recruit, I don't know, 200 to 300 people every month. And we, and I'm always talking to my guys about, right. You only, uh, you know, you, you the way you find quantity or, or quality is by quantity. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you just got to keep, you know, uh, you know, pulling that. I always kind of equate it to a slot machine, right? You just keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling. You keep recruiting, you keep training, you keep developing, you keep working. And eventually you're going to find some great people. And it's just the, right. the, the law of, of, you know, what is it? Probability, you know, statistics are, are going to play a, a part in anything we do. And, and of course, uh, poker is a great, um, you know, it probably was a great start for you in business. Am I right there? It really was, man. I, I learned so much playing poker. The ability yeah. to 
to read someone, to make uh, decisions, um, uh, risk-adjusted decisions all the time. So that helps me in trading all the time as far as a stock trader, but also in business. I mean, day-to-day, we're filled with dozens of decisions we have to make quickly on a risk-adjusted basis. So um, you don't have to get all of them right, but you've really got to, if you consistently make bad decisions <laughs> and take too much risk on things, you're going to go out of business quick. So I feel like I've, I've done a good job of that side over the years of making the bets that, you know, makes, makes sense for what it's going to cost us. And, and not worry about if you have failure, you know, if you do something and you fail yeah. at it, then you just get back up the next day and you go again. Too many people, they, you know, they, they meet with the first sign of failure or defeat and they quit. Do you see that a lot? Oh yeah. I think that's, that happens all the time. It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I never grew up having uh, expectations on me. So when I failed, it, it wasn't a big deal. I, I wasn't a great athlete. wasn't a great student. I didn't have, no one put expectations on me that I was ever going to do anything. So failure was fine. <laughs> and so anything above failure was a success. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm very self-motivated that I don't need people to uh, give me a lot of encouragement and push me and tell me I can do, I'm, I'm good enough. I can do this stuff. I, I pick myself up and I'm pretty good about motivating myself to go do things. Cause I want to, I'm pretty competitive. I want to succeed. I want to, you know, build the empire. I want to build the thing bigger every single day. That's, that's what gets me up to every morning. And what, what is that? Like, what's, why are you like that? I mean, what are you striving for? What's the end result that you really want? Yeah, I don't know. I I get asked that a lot. Actually, I don't, it's not a dollar amount. I've got, plenty of money this time and I could easily sell the business and be set for life if I wanted to. But I, I enjoy our company so much. I like the employees that we work with. I like our business. Um, I do like the empire building side of things where um, we're growing and growing each day and just see where it goes to. I like the different opportunities that come out from it. So we're always getting new opportunities to make new businesses or I can make a decision to move into any new thing on any given day. So it's not repetitive. So it's, it's challenging. It's like this big uh, game I get to play every single day. I like it. I don't, I don't have many hobbies. I don't play video games, but my job is it. I like it. I love that. I, I was literally telling some, somebody that the other day. I said that I play uh, my business like a sport. I play yeah. it. I don't, I don't work. I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm with you today. This is what I, the part of what I do in, in my business today. And, and, uh, and I don't feel like this is work. I mean, I, this is so much fun to have conversations with people and to, to, to meet, uh, really successful people like you and, and to, um, you know, to, to learn and to grow every single day. So it's, it really is fun too. I Wasn't that totally great, man? relate That's, with, it, when it doesn't really feel is, like work. Man. You're really doing something well. Yeah, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun process and I'm excited that I get to, to do it. So I totally relate with you, Jeff. You are right on, man. Okay. Tell me about Raging Bull. What is it? How does it work? How does your business model work? Give us some details on that. Yeah. So it got started because I realized that, um, that there was a big void in the market of good educators that were teaching about stock trading who were actually doing it. So there's very, there's a lot of people, there's a thousand websites out there that teach you to trade stocks or teach you to do whatever in the market. But there's very few of these people that actually have skin in the game and will show you what their trades are and, you know, get bad, good, bad, and ugly 
be in there with you as they're trading and you're learning. And that's something we started from day one was that everything we do is real money and there's total transparency. You can totally see everything that we're doing in real time. And I think that that's the best way to teach somebody. So uh, it's, it, it took a few years to catch on, but it's been really successful. Like the last five years or so, just, you know, super growth. And it turns out people do want to learn the trade that way. So we've become probably the fastest growing stock market education company in, in the world, I think, um, because of this model and how we stick to it. And people love it. And so, um, so obviously it's an education service. So people basically, if they want to learn how to trade options or futures or what, what type of stuff do you uh, educate people on? Um, stocks and options. We do a lot of option education lately. So like that's where a lot of people want more training and they want to learn more about it. And there's just so many different things to learn about stock options. Uh, there's very basic strategies you can use that are just like buying and selling a stock. There's very complex things you could do also. It depends how deep you want to get into it. So we find that's probably our biggest growth um, as far as the education side. People want to learn more about these different strategies. And it's something I really love. Even before I had any money or knew what I was doing, I was really studying options because I, I love the idea that you could use math and different strategies to figure out. Um, I thought you could make a lot of money that way doing if you figured things out. But turns out you got to be a good trader, not, no, not know a lot about trading. <laughs> That's why a lot so of professors are, are not rich. <laughs> they know so a lot what, about what it. Are some, do it. <laughs> what, what are some common traits of a, of a good trader? I mean, you know, what, where, where are people messing up? You know, because there's a lot of people that try, I mean, uh, you know, in me and my business, you know, obviously we, well, not obviously, but we do more so uh, retail investments, you know, mutual funds, stuff like that, where it's, it's a mass market, 401ks, IRAs, traditional IRAs, all that kind of stuff. So again, I'm not, you know, good or bad, whether you believe in it or you don't believe in it, there's a market for everyone. Who is your market? Like what, what is the client that you're trying to aim for today? Can everybody do what you do? Yeah, there's no reason anybody couldn't. I think a lot of the traits are, you have to have some risk tolerance. Great thing about trading is it doesn't matter what your risk tolerance, there's a, there's a strategy for that. So if you, everybody's got something, I mean, you could be very conservative, but there's strategies that you can put into place that are going to work with your personality. And if you're very aggressive, there's lots of different ways you can do this. So you got to find your, your risk tolerance level. Um, a big part of trading is being disciplined though. So we have this risk tolerance and then being disciplined to have a game plan when you get into a trade and then stick to it. So I think too many people become unsuccessful because they do not want to accept a loss. They, they let their losers ride way too long. They will not get out of position when they've been proven wrong and they just get married to something or conversely, they take profits too early. I think they get too scared and they just take profits right away when they should be, they're in a good trade and they should just let it go. And they end up leaving tons of money on the table because they just got nervous about losing a few hundred bucks of profit when it turns out they left thousands of dollars on the table instead. So I think those are like some of the biggest things that separate the good traders from bad traders. And we, we try to just teach that all the time. You can see it in our own trading and how we show people what we're doing. So I feel like that's a good way you can learn. 
And so is it a lot of, uh, a lot of your training? Does it have to do with chart analysis? Yeah, we're um, mainly short-term traders. So not necessarily day traders, but uh, we, ca- we call it swing trading. So we're looking at trading over a few days or a few weeks. Really as long, we, we get into a trade as long as the chart pattern hangs on or certain parameters are hit. So that could take a day or two or it could take a couple of weeks, whatever the market decides. But we stick with the trade as, as long as certain parameters are in place. Um, so we're very short-term oriented for the most part. And that means you're probably going to be using a lot of technical indicators. So you're looking at stock charts and things like that more than you're looking at fundamentals. So, uh, you know, Apple's fundamentals, like how much is about company valued or what's its growth rates and stuff. That doesn't matter so much day to day or week to week. It does matter, you know, over the course of a year, as we're looking at long-term trends, but if you're a short-term trader. Fundamentals really are not important. So we don't, focus on that so much as we do technical indicators. And so is that, is that kind of the mistake? Cause what I see is so much of the, the investing public that try to go into, I mean, again, anybody can do what you're talking about. I just don't think that most people are willing to put in the time, the effort, uh, the discipline, uh, the risk tolerance to obviously, you know, swing trade or, even short-term trading, um, I think you'd probably agree with that. I mean, not everybody in the country is going to end up doing what you do. But the, the, the question I have is, um, you know, as far as, your, as far as what you see and as far as what you teach, is there a certain age range of people that go into these, you know, into your educational program? It's really varied across the board. I'm, I'm always surprised. I always think that there's like a certain demographic or target market for us, but it, it's really varied. It, we have a lot of people who are brand new traders. They could be in their early twenties. Um, they're just starting to make some income. They want to get in the market. They don't know what the heck they're doing. So, you know, anyone can get a Robinhood app or some kind of free trading platform and trade stocks, but uh, you still don't know what you're doing. So they want some kind of education or you could, you know, maybe been in the market for a little bit and you haven't had success, been, like I was early on, I was real sloppy in trading, didn't know what I was doing. And you want someone to just give you a little handholding and, and show you what they're doing so you can learn from it. So we have a lot of people who are relatively new in the market, probably in their you know, mid twenties to mid thirties. But then we stretch all the way across the board. There's a lot of people in our services who you know, might be in their fifties or sixties or seventies who are semi-retired or retired and they manage their own portfolios or a good chunk of it. And they just want more educational ideas. Like they're, they're already active traders. They want to learn from other active traders who are professionals. I mean, they're doing this in the market every day, like we are. So they want to learn more strategies. They want to become more successful. And I feel like that's the other, that's the other kind of demographic we really cater to. So short-term aggressive traders doesn't mean, doesn't fit any one bucket. It, it really goes across the board. And how long are your training programs generally? They're ongoing. It's every, it's every single day. So our programs would be, it's not a set course where you like attend the rageable course for a month and you're, you're good. It's, it's ongoing. We have people who are in our, some services for lifetime, basically. We have some who are just month to month. They, they're trying things out. Um, cause you're, you're working with an actual trader and seeing what they do every single day. And so it's like an ongoing educational process. This trader is sharing his ideas every day, 
what he's looking for in the market, how he's trading things, and showing you what he's doing along the way so you can learn from it. So if you want to learn and you're, you're good in three months, then maybe that's, that's all you do. That's great. Um, if, if you want to learn for years and years, we've got members that have been with us over five years now. So some people just want to be with that trader over and over and over and, just, and keep following him. So it, it, it's all up to anybody. I think within a year, you can really understand a trader's core strategies. You can see, you know, what he's doing day in and day out on the good and bad days, how he recovers from losses, how he handles wins. Anyone can handle wins. It's how you handle losses that really define you. So, you know, following a trader and walking through losses and how you rebound is really the key. And so um, one of the, the last questions about, about your business model and kind of how you guys are running things, you were saying, or you, you had, I had read that uh, you have 80 employees kind of remotely. How does that work? How, how are you, um, how do you guys do that? Yeah, I just found that out. I was surprised to hear we had 80 employees now, but <laughs> we do. <laughs> um, so we don't all get together often because we're kind of spread out all over the country. One of the benefits of having an online business is that you can hire some of the best people in the country, not just in your city. So I, I happen to live in New Hampshire. It's a small place. If I had to hire everybody for our company here, I'd be really stretched to find the best talent. So we've been able to hire, I feel like the best people for our business, no matter where they're at in the country. So that's one benefit. It's got its drawbacks. I mean, we're not in an office, so we sharing ideas is a little more difficult and, you know, things get lost in email and Slack messages more than they would if you're just in person. So we, we have these kind of issues quite a bit. We have to get over, but I think team sharing tools are so great nowadays. And I feel like there's so many things that you can collaborate remotely and have a great business that functions. So that works out well. Uh, we do have an office now in Maryland and we're hiring more and more people there locally. So that's kind of like our hub. And we'll, we'll fly in people all the time. So like this week, we have got um, probably a dozen people we flew in just to have meetings and meet in person and talk strategies and stuff. So we get together quite a bit. And then once or twice a year, I try to get everyone in our company as much as we can at one event. So we can all see each other face-to-face -face at least once. So that's a big expense for us, but I think it's really important for the growth of the company. So 465% you were saying, or uh, that you guys returned last year. What do you say to those people that say, number one, yeah, right. And number two, investments are risky. How do you, how do you respond to that? Um, well, 465% was the uh, growth of our company, not our, our, our oh, okay. portfolios. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry yeah. I misread that then. I yeah. So that was from okay. Inc. 5000 when they were doing their, um, oh, oh, their gotcha. calculations. So that, I think that was like the three-year growth for Raging Bull, perhaps. Okay. Nice. Um, nice. So we don't okay. manage portfolios. We have our own that we trade. Um, I think all of our we're all great traders. Some of our guys have made. Uh, we have one guy who's turned fifteen thousand dollars into over eight million dollars now in the last few years. We've got several who have made over a million dollars a year for the last few years. So some really successful traders in our network. Um, but Raging Bull itself does not manage money, and we don't manage our our clients' portfolios at all. Gotcha. Gotcha. And we teach and, them and to make what money. Do you, I want them to make money. There you profits. go. That's, <laughs> that's great. And, and, and so, but what do you say to those people that say investments are risky and you know, I mean, when, when people give those type of objections, how do you overcome that? Yeah. Well, they are risky. They are risky. It's for sure. <laughs> you can't deny that anything has got risk to it. Um, I, I think the bigger risk is not learning strategies that can 
make you really successful though. Uh, you could just go stick all your money in Vanguard accounts and go try to earn the market return, maybe 10% a year if you're lucky, and then maybe draw down 10 or 20% once in a while. But there really are strategies that have proven to outperform the market for people that want to take advantage of them. So uh, if you're willing to learn and you're willing to take some risk and start stretching yourself, then it's, I mean, there's, we've proven that there are ways that you can do this because we have so many successful traders. It's not a fluke that they're successful. They're, they're able to do it time after time again. So there's something to it. So if you can learn what they're doing and start to mimic it, then it's, there's a lot of opportunity there. This could, you know, becoming a successful trader could be your ticket out of working at a job you hate, or it could be a way to add a little more income to a job you already like, but you want to, you know, you need to make a few more dollars. Well, some, um, some almost passive income could come through stock trading and the way you, you structure things. There's a lot of uses for it. No matter what, I mean, if you can make more money in life, you, you, should, you should go do it. And I think stock trading is one of those things that people just should get their arms around, should get comfortable with and not be afraid of it. So we try to break those walls down. Well, you are doing an amazing job. Uh, I mean, all, you know, props to you, dude. I mean, you're, you're rocking and rolling right now and uh, you should be very, very proud of yourself, man. Congratulations. Oh. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate your it. Success, man. I mean, Hey, Hey, look, um, uh, Jeff, what, what are some of the things you do now? I mean, you know, as far as, I mean, obviously you're still working hard. You're still trying to build your company. I'm sure you're on, you're on fire right now to do great things. Um, but has, have you stopped for a little while to do some fun things? Have you, you know, do you live in a nicer home today? Do you drive nicer cars? I mean, what's your life like now compared to five, 10 years ago? Yeah, you know, I, I don't live very lavishly. We, if we want to take a vacation, we take a vacation. We, we can now go wherever we want to go. So we don't have to worry about what it costs really, which is, is fun. <laughs> um, I live in a pretty modest house. Our house is I don't know. We, we bought this house 10 years ago. My, my oldest son was going into kindergarten and, you know, we've made tons of money over the years, but we haven't upgraded houses. We've remodeled the kitchen and some things like that, but the house is the same. And we live in a just a relatively nice neighborhood with nice kids and families. And we don't feel like we have to go out and have the, uh, you know, multi-million dollar beach mansions around here or move into better neighborhoods and stuff. We're, our kids have got good friends. We live in a good place. So for our family, it's been a good spot. Uh, I had three Honda minivans over the years. So I just, I just traded my last minivan in for a, a BMW. So now I've got a little nicer car, but minivans sir, served us well over the years. <laughs> so, I mean, one thing is that we just don't have to worry about money, which it, it, that's a great thing. That takes a lot of pressures off of life in general. So that, that's probably the biggest change overall, but it's just focused on business focus on family and just doing our thing. Well, good for you, man. You, you are, uh, you're, you're a great, uh, model of, of, of a real entrepreneur, you know, of a real somebody that kind of raised themselves up by their bootstraps and said, Hey man, I'm going to go on and, and do something fantastic. And so, uh, it's really fun to hear your story. I mean, do you have, uh, you know, do you have like a favorite book or anything that you like looking back that maybe helped you or like a favorite mentor that really helped you, uh, that you would say? Um, you know, I've read so many 
good books. So it's hard to pick out one in particular. Um, you know, one of the first things I read was uh, that really kind of stuck with me was Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. I mean, before I had an online business or I was just kind of starting, uh, the things that he said in that book, a lot of it's kind of corny. A lot of it didn't really work, but it's not practical for most people. But the idea of being able to outsource a lot of things that you could to other people to do it remotely, that, that those kind of principles really helped me in the foundation of my business overall. So um, I remember, you know, really paying attention to that book early on. And that, that kind of got us started on things. Favorite movie? Favorite movie? Oh, well, again, so many good movies, man. I'm a huge Are you movie fan guy. Movies like, uh, man, Pulp Fiction's got to be a favorite movie. Um, uh, Gladiator, my goodness. It's one of those movies I watch all the time. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Favorite food? Um, you know, on... on uh, on a rare occasions, I'd, I'd really like a, a amazing steak. I got to say that. I don't want to eat them often, but um, like I could eat salmon every single day. I could eat, I'd love it. But like if I go to the right steakhouse and they've got just the right Kobe steaks that are just cooked perfect with the right, uh, that's just amazing to me. But that experience, I love that. <laughs> One of the first things I, I really, I, I realized when we, we were, we had money was when we can go into any restaurant finally and just order whatever you wanted. <laughs> that was, that was uh, life changing for me. <laughs> I loved it. That guy you, that I met. You got that, to look. You... I was gonna say that guy in Dallas that um, first talked to me, uh, he was the guy I was cutting the grass for. He took me to my first real steakhouse in Dallas and it was like $50 a plate or something ridiculous. <laughs> I never could imagine people went to places like that and, and he took me out and that opened my eyes. Like, man, I really want to do that in life. That was amazing. I want to do that again. <laughs> and one of my, one of my favorite things to do is, is take people out to eat. So if you ask anyone who works with me or knows me, they'll say, I always pick up the check or always taking people out to great places to eat. That's just one of the things I love to do in life. So I'm glad I could share with people. So cool that you get to go from the left side of the menu to the right side of the menu, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> so you, you, you don't worry about what it costs anymore. You just, if, if you want to eat it and it looks good, then hallelujah, buy it, right? Um, yeah, that's nice. How about, how about ice cream or cake? I'm not a big dessert person, honestly. Um, if I had to pick a dessert, I'd rather have a drink, but... Uh, okay. My favorite right. cake, my, um, my mom used to make... Uh, pineapple upside down cakes and that was always my birthday so it's probably my favorite cake my wife makes that for me now every year for my birthday <laughs> key lime pie like also cool, too i love that <laughs> love that i love i love pineapple upside down cakes too so um, oh, it's hard man, to find I, a good think, one man when you find think, a good one me and you awesome i think me and you are going to become real good friends i don't know i just <laughs> have a feeling man i i don't know me and you we we kind of we kind of see things the same way. Hey, Could look, be long lost brothers, um, man. Who knows? I I don't know some <laughs> some sort of kindred something, you know. Although although um your 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 IQ is probably much much higher than mine. So, but uh, well, I, I, I probably wanna, again, I probably barely made the cutoff in the Mensa thing. I'm not that smart. <laughs> whatever the whatever the lowest end is, I probably made the barely the cutoff. <laughs> you know, it's, it was multiple choice. You know, you could have got lucky that day. You never know. It could have just so. been a good day filling in the blanks and stuff, picking the right bubbles. To <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> really, really. Hey, uh, uh, hey, Jeff, thank you so much, man, for, for your time with me today. Um, you know, it's, it's guys like you, it's people like you that inspire the world to dream a little bit bigger, to go a little bit farther, to see, you know, just how great life could be. And, and you're living your dream now and you're living such an, an awesome life. And, uh, and I know it's only going to get better from here. And, and I, I'm sure that you're going to have much, much more success in the future. And so um, thank you again. I appreciate your time very, very much. Uh, well, thank you. It's been I, I a good ride. I'm very fortunate to be able to share whatever I can with others, man. I mean, I think you, you find wealthy people in life They're They generally want to give back. They want to share. They're not so much about keeping everything themselves. They really want to share. I, I, I totally feel blessed and gifted what I have. So um, I love being able to share and talk and, we can help educate other people to and encourage them to go pursue their dreams and get the most they can out of life. I'm all for it. How do we get in? How do we get a hold of you? I mean, how do we reach you on social media some way? Well, my, my team runs social media for us online, but personally you will not find me online on social media. (laughs) So you will not find me there on purpose. Um, But ragingbull.com. I've got lots of videos. I've got education. I'm writing stuff a lot on the website. Um, you know, in my services, you can get access to talk to me directly if you want. And if you really have a burning question, you can always email our customer support and they'll get it over to me. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, I just want everybody to, uh, to make sure they share this podcast, follow, uh, uh, me on Instagram. And of course, go to ragingbull.com uh, to check out more information there. Just want to let everybody know that we're still signing up people every day for our Wealth on the Beach Club every week. One full hour with me lessons and Q&A. Uh, check out my website, alonzoacademy.com for more details. And as always, subscribe to my YouTube channel for lots of free content. Uh, and um, just want to make sure that y'all keep on dreaming bigger and make sure that you do it now. God bless. We'll see you at the top. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Daniel Alonzo's Wealth on the Beach podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. If you like the show, please share it with someone you know who would like to reach their own financial independence. Want more? Head to alonzoacademy.com. Learn how you can meet Daniel personally and join his Wealth on the Beach Club.